Well, thanks so much for joining our all-campus online service. We so appreciate this time that, that you join us. It's just great uh, to be together. We'd love to be together in person, but it's great to be together online. Uh, I was sharing with some people this week that uh, when the chapel was small, uh, I used to visit uh, a lot of people in their homes, and that was always a great time. Uh, I would go in, and we would have coffee and desserts. The desserts were great, and we would talk about uh, your spiritual journey, and I have a little devotion on read a passage, and would pray together. And uh, as the chapel grew, I, I couldn't do that uh, any longer. I couldn't, uh, I couldn't keep going to everyone's house. But now, it's interesting, through technology, I can, and I want to thank you for allowing me into your home. Some of you have at, uh, even sent some pictures to me uh, about your uh, pictures of your family gathered around the TV watching the service or gathered around a computer. And that's been very cool. Now, one thing I, I did have to put up with when I visited in homes, I had to put up with uh, like pets, um, uh, cats rubbing up against my leg, dogs uh, barking at me, and dogs like jumping up on me. I remember one time I was, I was uh, praying uh, at the end and I felt this this strange thing on my face, and it was a dog uh, licking me as I was trying to pray, and that was really weird. Uh, so I'll be honest with you, I, I don't, I don't miss that uh, part of being in your in your homes. Uh, it's been so much uh, fun uh, interacting uh, with the campuses on Facebook. Uh, every every campus has a has a Facebook group, and it's been fun to see the interaction going back and forth. That if you're if you haven't joined that group yet, be sure to do that. It's been so encouraging. So many of you have sent. Uh, notes in and uh, just encouraging us and encouraging each other. All of them, they've been positive except for one. For one text I got from a Texas Longhorn fan, and it showed up in an ugly uh, burnt orange color, a Texas Longhorn ugly burnt orange. And here's what it said. It said, wash your hands like you accidentally picked up an OU shirt. Yeah, I didn't really appreciate that. But you know what? That's okay because really the only thing a Texas Longhorn fan uh, can enjoy these days is just uh, writing snarky uh, text messages. Uh, hey, one more thing. Uh, this coming Wednesday, we want to invite you, BibleChapel.org, Facebook Live, to join us for our, um, our virtual uh, prayer meeting, all-campus virtual prayer meeting. We, we start, had our first one last Wednesday, and I got to tell you, it was, it was, um, it was powerful. Uh, we were able to pray for our country, uh, pray for our community, we pray for our church. And uh, the cool thing was we were able to get requests from you uh, who were on Facebook Live or YouTube channel uh, or BibleChapel.org. And we got those requests and we were able to pray for so many of you as you sent. In fact, there were so many requests that came in, we couldn't get through uh, the entire list. And so we printed it out and our staff and elders are praying for that list. So, so be sure to join us this coming Wednesday at 6.30. And uh, again, just a, just a great, great time. Let's pray and ask God for his help as we uh, uh, study his word, as we, as we start a new series, as we see what God uh, has for us today. Lord, we thank you that you're a God who loves us and care for us. You know us each by name. We thank you, Father, that you are a rock, you're our shelter. Everything you do is good, even when we don't understand it. And Lord, we're going through a time that we really uh, don't understand. And there's a lot of unknowns, and there's a lot of anxiety, and there's a lot of fear. And so, Father, I pray. I pray that you would calm our hearts, and that uh, you would let us know that you are in control. Uh, you are God, 
and uh, you are sovereign over all. So we, uh, we commit our time to you. And, and Lord, uh, right now, wherever we are, we want to pray together as one church body. We want to pray together as Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Well, today we are going to start a new series, an Easter series, and we're calling it Immovable. Changed by the one who doesn't. You know, in times of fear and anxiety, in times of uncertainty, we serve a God who never changes, who is our rock and our refuge. He is immovable. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Forever, His Word is settled in heaven. And in Scripture, God is described as our rock, an immovable rock that we, that we can cling to in the midst of a storm. Psalm 18, verses 2 and 3 say this, The Lord is my rock and my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my rock, in whom I take refuge. He is my shield. He's my stronghold. I call upon the Lord, who is worthy to be praised, and I am saved from my enemies. Things in our life change. They come in uninvited. Sometimes we're unprepared, right? Uh, We are unsettled. Illness comes, disappointment comes, coronavirus comes in. And we realize that we're not in control like we thought we were. And so we cling to the one who is immovable. Our scripture focus during this series is going to be 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Over the next weeks, Dave and I will be uh, working our way through this chapter. This is such a rich chapter uh, in scripture. 1 Corinthians 15 focuses on four bedrock truths of the Christian faith. First, the resurrection of Jesus. That's a bedrock truth. The resurrection of believers. The resurrected body. And then, eternal victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He gives us victory, Paul says, through our Lord Jesus Christ. So what I want to do today is to work our way through this passage, 1 Corinthians 15. We're going to look at the first 11 verses. Here's how Paul starts this chapter, chapter 15, verse 1. He says, Now I want to remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand. The word gospel in that passage is the Greek word euangelion. We get evangelism from it. And it means good news. The gospel is a one-word description of Jesus. It describes his person, it describes his works, and it describes his word. The person, the word, and the works of Jesus. And Paul says this gospel, this person of Jesus, everything he does and everything he did and everything he will do, that's the good news, and it's In this good news that I stand. I don't waver. I don't falter. I don't don't stumble. I don't let anxiety take over. Paul says, when you know the good news of Jesus, 
and you have trusted in Jesus alone as the only way to have a relationship with the living God. When, when, you, when you understand the good news of the gospel, that's the place where you can stand and you can stand firm. Ken Gorton, uh, one of our elders, just a, a great leader of our church and a good friend, uh, Ken uh, passed away about a week ago. He's going to be greatly missed. Uh, about a, a year ago, uh, Ken was in my office and uh, we, we were having a meeting, and, uh, and it was a fairly long meeting, and, and, and Ken was, like, engaged during the whole meeting. And then at the end, he, he stood up, and, and he was in a good bit of pain. And he said that, that he'd gone to the doctor and had been diagnosed with shingles. And, and then he learned a week, a week later uh, that the pain w- was really cancer. Uh, this past year, man, many of us, we've had a front row seat watching a man stand firm in the gospel. Stand firm in his faith through suffering and uncertainty and questions and, and disappointment. I, I look back uh, over uh, several texts that uh, Ken uh, and I exchanged as I was preparing for his message uh, this past week. And uh, here are a few texts. Uh, back in September, uh, when, when he was just starting this thing out, he said, uh, God's, God's presence keeps me going. The gospel in which I stand. And November 11th, my faith remains strong and thankful for God's faithfulness. That's the gospel in which I stand. December the 14th, uh, Ken texted me, I have complete confidence in the Lord's leading, the gospel in which I stand. December the 19th, God is my strength. And then February the 13th, Ken, after he got some bad news, he said, some setbacks, but my faith does not waver. I mean, Ken was an example of, of standing in the gospel. That's what Paul tells us. And I want to remind you of the gospel I preached. You received it, the gospel in which you stand for all believers going through a difficult time going through a challenging time and i know anxiety can come and fears can come we don't know how this is going to end there's so many unknowns but we know this we know who jesus is and we trust in the in the gospel the person and the words and the work of jesus and we know in the gospel we can stand firm now paul says not only in the gospel do we stand firm but it's in the gospel by which you are being saved. We know that the true child of God, when we trust in Jesus, we are saved. Nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. We are saved. And Paul interestingly says we are, right, being saved. And so what Paul is saying here, we're saved and we're in a process. We We have been saved, we are being saved, and we will be saved. But check this out. A person who is saved, a person who is rescued, it shows up in our actions. Look at verse 2. This gospel I preach to you in which you stand and by which you, uh, you are being saved. And then Paul says, if you hold fast to the word I preach to you, unless you have believed in vain. What's, what's Paul saying there? Paul's saying that if you're a true believer, you're going to hold on to the good news. Paul's saying, if you're a true believer, you're not going to abandon the gospel. You're not going to 
discard the gospel, you're not going to reject the gospel. If you're a true believer, you're going to stand in the gospel. And if you do reject it, and if you do abandon it, and if you do discard the gospel, if you jettison the gospel, Paul says you, you, you have no foundation on which to stand. Paul says unless you, you have believed in vain, your belief system is, is futile. So knowing that to be the case, that the gospel, the good news, is that thing we stand upon, by which we're being saved, Paul says, we got to understand it. So in these next verses, Paul begins kind of, I can just imagine as he's writing, he just kind of slows down. And he says, man, people have to understand this. They have to understand the good news about Jesus. So in these next passages, he says in verse 3, For I delivered to you as of first importance... What I received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture. Let's, let's stop there. I delivered to you as of first importance. Paul is saying, of all the things I've written, they've been important. They're God's Word. Of all the things I've shared with you, they're, they're important. I get it. But this is of primary importance. This is of first importance. If you don't get anything else, grasp this. If you don't understand anything else, this has to be crystal clear. And so Paul just works his way, just puts the, the outline of the gospel in place in these next verses. So let's, let's go through them. Again, verse uh, 3. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I uh, also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. That's where the good news starts. Jesus died for our sins. Now, I don't know if it's interesting to you, but to me it's kind of interesting that when Paul says, this is of first importance, here's what you have to grasp. He doesn't go back and say, well, let me tell you about the birth of Christ. Let me tell you about the words of Christ. I'm going to tell you about some miracles of Christ, some of his healings, because he had the supernatural power. You know, he was God in the flesh. He, he doesn't even start there. Isn't it interesting to you that when Paul says, Here's what you have to know. He begins with the death of Christ. Why does he do that? Why do you think he does that? Well, it's because that's why Jesus came. Jesus came to die for our sins. When Jesus is first introduced to us, John chapter 1, verse 29, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus said of himself, Mark chapter 10, verse 45, he said, For even the Son of Man did not, come to, uh, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So the death of Jesus is of first importance. Now let's, let's think about it. Let's think about some of the religions of the world. Muslims actually recognize Jesus as a great prophet, and they revere him uh, as uh, Isa. Ibn Maryam, Jesus, the son of Mary. In fact, Mary is the only woman mentioned in the Quran. But his death on the cross means absolutely nothing. Uh, Judaism uh, recognized Jesus as a wise teacher, a great prophet. But his death on the cross just proves that he wasn't their Messiah because they said, our, our Messiah cannot die on a cross. M many Hindus 
are drawn to Jesus because of his compassion. And, and there's legends of Jesus actually going to India as a teenager and learning yoga and, and meditation. But he was simply a good man. His, his death means nothing. Thich Nhat Hanh, a Vietnamese Zen Buddhist monk with a large Western following, here's what he, he, he sees Jesus and Buddha as brothers who taught that the highest form of human understanding is universal love. Buddha and Jesus were brothers, and they taught the highest uh, form of human understanding is universal love. But his death means nothing. So to the religions of the world, Jesus' death means absolutely nothing. But to us, it means everything, doesn't it? To us, Paul says, it is of first importance because packaged in the truth of Jesus' death is the good news of life. Jesus is fully God, fully man. Uh, being God, he, left none of his, he lost none of his humanity. Being fully man, he loses none of his deity. He's unique, no one like him. And because he's fully God, fully man, He's the only one who can die on the cross for our sins. As God, He does not have to die for sins. The penalty of sin is not on Him. And as a man, He dies in our place as our substitute. The wrath of uh, God's wrath on sin is poured out on Jesus. Jesus died so we could live. His death means everything to us. And Paul says, all that, his death is according to the Scriptures. Jesus didn't die in a whim of man. He wasn't in the wrong place at the wrong time. His death was, was prophesied throughout the Old Testament. It was always in God's sovereign design. It was always God's plan. We could look at a lot of Old Testament passages to prove that, but let me just give you one best summarized in Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah says, Surely... He has borne our griefs. This is Isaiah 53, verses 4 through 6. Surely He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, and we esteemed Him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon Him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with His wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to His own way. And the Lord has laid on Him the iniquity, the sin of us all. 700 years before Jesus, Isaiah is saying that one is going to come. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned each one to our own way, but the Lord has laid on His Son the iniquity of us all. So Paul says the first thing you got to know is Jesus was, uh, He came and He died. Jesus died for our sins, according to the Scripture. Now, here's the second part of the important message. And the second part is, is very simple. Jesus was buried. After he died, he was buried. Now, Paul, that's obvious, or it seems, but in Paul's day, there were those who didn't think Jesus actually died, that he was almost dead, but not quite dead when he was taken uh, from the cross. How else could he have appeared alive? Uh, others, uh, Gnosticism, thought that, no, nah, he really couldn't die. He couldn't die on a cross. And so Paul is, is saying here, as, as a defense of the Christian faith, Jesus died. And as proof of that, he was buried. 
In John chapter 19, uh, verse 38, after these things, Joseph of Arimathea, who was the disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And, and Pilate gave him permission. Check this out. So he came and he took away his body, Jesus' body. Nicodemus also, who earlier had come to Jesus by night, came bringing a mixture of myrrh and alloys about uh, 75 pounds of weight. They are ready to embalm the body of Jesus. And so they took the body of Jesus and they bound it in linen cloths with spices, uh, as was the burial custom of the Jews. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden. And in the garden, a new tomb in which had not been laid. So because of the Jewish day of Passover, since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. Jesus was buried. You know, there is nothing that demonstrates the proof of death so finely as the grave. You don't bury a person who is alive. Look at verse 3. Jesus died for our sins. As proof of his death, he was buried. And look at verse 3. For I delivered to you, Paul says, of, first, import, of first importance, that's what I received. Christ died for our sins, according to the Scripture, that He was buried, and that He was raised on the third day, according to the Scriptures. He was raised from the dead on the third day, according to the Scriptures. So, Jesus died for our sins. As proof of His death, He was buried. And then as proof that He was God, that He was our Savior, he was raised to life on the third day according to the Scriptures. Jesus Himself had told the disciples, I'm going to go into Jerusalem, I'm going to be mocked, I'm going to be flogged, I'm going to be crucified, but on the third day I will be raised again to life. And just as He promised, Jesus was physically raised to life and He left an empty tomb. Paul has one more thing to say about this first importance. So, Jesus died for our sins. You've got to get this, Paul says. This is, this is the gospel. Jesus died for our sins. He was buried. He was raised from the dead. But here's the question. How do you prove that Jesus was raised from the dead? An empty tomb is really just an empty tomb, right? So back in 1963, Addie Mae Collins, a young 14-year-old, was one of four African-American girls tragically murdered uh, in a church bombing by white racists. Addie Mae Collins was buried in Birmingham, Alabama, and for years her family kept returning to the grave to, to pay tribute to this young wife, and, and they would leave the flowers there. In 1998, the family made a decision to remove the body for reburial to another cemetery. And when the workers went to, to dig up the body, they found, shockingly, that the grave was empty. And you can imagine the family was terribly distraught, hampered by poor Record-keeping, the cemetery officials tried to figure out what, what had happened. There were several possibilities, but the primary one they landed on was that the tombstone had been erected in the wrong place. Yet, think about this. In, in, in the midst of trying to determine what happened, one explanation was never proposed. No one 
ever said, oh, I know what happened. Addie Mae Collins has been resurrected from the dead. Why didn't they say that? Because they had never seen her. They never saw her alive. You see, an empty grave doesn't prove a resurrection, but what does prove a resurrection? Yeah, when, when you see the resurrected body, you need eyewitnesses. And so Paul says in verse 5 through 8, He was buried and raised on the third day according to the Scripture. And Paul says, here's the proof. He appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve, alive. And then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. And then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. And then Paul says, last of all, as to one untimely born, he also appeared to me. Paul says, this is of first importance. This is it. Here's the gospel. Here's the gospel in which we stand. Don't get this confused. Jesus died for our sins. Jesus was buried. Jesus was raised from the dead, and Jesus was seen alive. Jesus rose from the dead, and He was seen alive. Now, next time, we're going to get into the significance of Jesus' resurrection the essential truth of the resurrection, and the impact that the resurrection makes on our life. We'll be looking at verses 12 through 34 in chapter 15. But right now, uh, let's, just, uh, let's just think through the impact of the gospel. You see, Paul, when he thinks about the gospel, he says this in verses 9 and 10. He says, for I'm the least of the apostles, I'm unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But then he makes this, this profound statement, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. By the grace of God, I am what I am. The immovable one is the one who gives grace. So maybe through this whole coronavirus ordeal, you've discovered you're not as strong as you thought you were. You're not as in control as you thought. You're not as bulletproof as you thought. So, so life was like hitting on all cylinders, right? The stock market was going crazy. Economy was going good. And you're right in the middle of your college semester, you're finishing up your senior year, you're planning the prom and, and, and graduation, and then, man, just like that, this, this contagious virus begins to spread literally around the world, and it just shuts things down. We've never seen anything like this. Not in our life, not in our lifetimes. And over the weeks, we've just realized how vulnerable we are. Now we need... Um, a vaccine, and we need a therapeutic drug, and we need a, to shelter in place. Those are smart things. We need those. But what we really need is, is, is Jesus. If a vaccine is discovered tomorrow, and we pray that it will be, and many are cured, we'll rejoice in that. 
But that will only be a temporary fix for an eternal problem. See, Jesus is the only remedy to the disease of sin that's infected our hearts. Only Jesus, fully God, fully man, can take away the penalty of our sin. Only Jesus rose from the dead. Only Jesus is the immovable one. And today, if you haven't, I'm going to ask you to, to trust in him. We were in a meeting this week, and, and Rick Buter, who leads our worship, uh, said that he would watch Good Morning America, and Good Morning America said, you know what? Faith is becoming important in our country. Yeah, it is, isn't it? And we've got to make sure that that faith that is important in our country is grounded in the gospel that Paul says is of first importance, that Jesus died, that he was buried, that he rose again from the dead, and he was seen alive. Today you're going through this, and maybe you're realizing uh, you need Jesus. Maybe God's got your attention. And so today, uh, what I'd like to do is I'd like to pray for you. If God's working in your heart, just follow along with this prayer. Trust in Christ. He's the one who changes your life. He's the immovable one, not only for this life, but throughout eternity. So if God's working in your heart, just pray this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, I stand before you. I readily admit I am a sinner and I cannot save myself. I have been reminded how vulnerable I am in my physical life. And that's just an example of how vulnerable I am in my spiritual life. And so, Jesus, I trust in you. I trust in you as the one who died for my sins, who was buried, who rose again from the dead, and you were seen alive. I trust in you, the risen Savior. Right now, I give my life to you. I trust in Jesus alone. It's the only way to have a relationship with you, the living God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you've prayed that prayer, we would love to help you on your journey here at the chapel. Email us, rmore at biblechapel.org, or just email me, rmore at biblechapel.org, and we'll get you started on your journey with Jesus Christ. You know, we're, we started this Easter series, right? And as, uh, as believers, we're so cool to celebrate Easter. But, you know, we say at the Bible Chapel, every day is Easter. Easter is every day. Jesus has risen from the grave, the immovable one the one who's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's been raised to life, and he, and he sits at the right hand of God the Father. You see, the head that once was crowned with thorns is crowned with glory now. The Savior knelt to wash our feet, now at His feet we bow. The one who wore our sin and shame, now robed with majesty, the radiance of His perfect love, now shines for all to see. Your name, your name is victory. Your name will rise to Christ 
our King. Wherever you are, I'm going to ask you to stand and I'm going to ask you to sing out as we sing this song together. Your name, your name is victory. All praise will rise to Christ our King. Father, we thank you for Jesus. We acknowledge Jesus is Christ our King, the risen one. We celebrate him right now in this song. Lord, let this be our declaration to you that Jesus is of first importance in our life. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. The head that once was crowned is crowned with glory now the savior now to wash our feet now at his feet we Your victory, the rest. 
resurrected King is resurrecting me. By your Spirit I will rise from the ashes of defeat. The resurrected King is resurrecting me. In your name I come alive to declare your victory. victory all praise will rise to christ our king we want you to know we love you we care for you we miss you and we're excited uh, one day when we can come back physically until then uh, anything we can do for you please let us know biblechapel.org opportunities to get in touch with us we want to remind you on wednesday uh, to come join us online Uh, be with us here online as we have our our congregational prayer meeting that's Wednesday uh, at 6.30, BibleChapel.org or Facebook Live. And again, we love you and uh, we're praying for you. Father, we pray that you would be with us today. Lord, work in our hearts. Allow us to be those. Lord, let this be, as we talked uh, uh, last time about, let this be our season of wonders as we take the gospel of Jesus Christ, first importance, and we stand in it ourselves and we share it to everyone in our lives. Be with us, Father, as we leave. In Jesus' name we pray.